0: hi guys welcome we're doing usury at watar www.first-things.org check it out and check out what we're about to say about usury right after you hear this fine musical idlings of greg gilbertson he wrote this song for our pod i love this song gagi marjos greg gilbertson We're here talking about usury, guys. And this iteration is us talking about the American story. But Pajot came out with a Stiltskin video, which is really good. And guys, if you watched it, as we'll get into it, it's really the story of Stiltskin. The American story is the story of Stiltskin. Go check that out with Pajot if you want. I mean, there's a reason Dante put users in the same circle of hell as like practicers of unnatural vice is like seventh level really low not good but you want to know something cool gk chesterton f- famous and i think wonderful roman catholic philosopher slash theologian type from about a hundred years ago chesterton identifies the beginning of what i keep calling the new world on this podcast he identifies the new world as starting in may of 1787 Who knew? Yeah, because he says that is the birth of the new world because that is the time, the date, the place that Jeremy Bentham, the utilitarian philosopher, first published on defense of usury, the birth of the new world, May 1787. You didn't know that. I didn't know that. It is possible. Here's a conversation about usury. First, a quick recap in society and world history what you see are societies wrestling over and over again with how to do this thing called usury lending at interest just so you know most axial age religions if you I don't like that term but I'm going to use it because it's what you learned when you were coming up in eighth grade religion religions do stuff and most of the time the stuff they do is hate on lending at interest they hate usury Christianity and Islam hate it probably the most, but all of them fear banks. They fear the finance industry. And so you see rates generally very low in societies dominated by Hinduism, Christianity, Islam especially. You see rates sort of rising, raising up when you see ancient societies like the ancient Greeks or the Romans, especially during the empire. Egypt had very high potential interest rates for personal loans, right? But every society wrestles with it. And they wrestle with it for basically four reasons. They're nervous about four things. One, usury promotes sloth. It's a common trope in the old world. Two, usury screws the little guy. Farmers always get hammered when there's lots of lending and interest in the society. Because the wealth... Goes up and people can't hold on to their local land. Uh, a society that does a lot of lending at interest it does a very bad job of distributing wealth equally. And if that sounds like I'm a communist, whatever. Because that's what all ancient societies feared. Because distributing wealth in a deeply unequal way is deeply dangerous for a society. And finally, you see societies wrestling because they, they, they're they, worried they're going to create a type of epistemology, a way of thinking, where everything's about right now. Get the money now, get the money now, because it'll be worth less in the future. And so, with those fears in mind, what happened in America? What happened in America? Well, first, the colonies. The colonies all allowed for usury. They did not outlaw it, as many ancient societies did. They allowed for it, but they put a cap. The cap averaged about 8%. Now, each colony did something a little different, but about 8% for personal loans or loans from lending institutions, which there weren't much of, many of. By 1776, independence. By the way, happy fourth. America. America is a good place because it allows for usury. Womp, womp, womp. Okay, there are good reasons I love this country. I'd be one, I, this is one, this is an honest thing for you guys. When I come back from Africa or come back from Guatemala, Central America, there's all, there is a sense of, of possibility here. It is a nice sense. It's a sense that, hey, you can start a dumb podcast and even a nonprofit and ask people to help you. And like the government won't put you in a basement dungeon. Voila. It's a good, it's a good country. By the early early 1900s, in our good country, you see a move toward deregulation, and you're going to see this all the way through, right? This time period in at the turn of the century, and deregulation sort of it causes 11 states to eliminate their usury laws, and so the average starts around the around the turn of the century. The average starts to raise up in terms of average interest rates, and you get it as high as 12%. And you start to see in some states, the very first examples of payday lending, they called it salary lending. And that's where lenders, they purchase your future salary. Ouch. But it does not as bad as it seems, because they would only charge rates as high as 33%. You come and write them a check for your salary, and they give you your salary in advance, plus you pay them 33%. You start to see this in the United States then. In 1916, there's something passed called the Uniform Small Loan Law. This law, well, it says, you know, these aren't great. These payday creepy lending services, we should regulate them. So let's make people who do those high, high interest rates loans let's make them get certified let's make them known to the government so the government can regulate them by making sure that their 46 percent interest rates aren't gouging people yikes it feels like it does it by definition but anyway this starts to lower some of the nasty interest rates that you see and so Basically, you see this fight, like we talked about. In 1945, though, you see a general move towards something different. You see a general move in the United States toward banks becoming the trusted lenders that they weren't in this more deregulated version of America. And basically, banks start to talk to you a certain way about what you can get from them, and they're lending now, people to individuals at much higher rates in fact they're teaching people to think about their loans a certain way and so i bring you an excellent commercial from 1950 do you have money jitters ask the obliging bank of america for a jar of soothing instant money m-o-n-e-y Wait a minute. <laughs> First of all, I do have money jitters. Um, money jitters. If only I could have a soothing jar of money. This guy used this this language. If you have money jitters, could you use a soothing jar of money in the form of a convenient personal loan. Mm-hmm. Available now at Bank of America. Oh, oh, oh. If you didn't, if you can't see it, (laughs) if you can't see it, what you saw was a Bank of America low cost bank credit loan commercial, black and white, with a guy walking into the bank. Well, that was the greatest phrase, right? Do you have money jitters? And then he pours them a cup of instant coffee, basically in the form of money or, or smooth money, a jar of smooth money. You can start to see what's happening what's happening is the the banks are starting to realize that in addition to big loans for industrial buildings and infrastructure we can we can loan to individuals of course that's pushing up against this trend away from usury cuz christian i mean americans at this point are are christian ish and they're trying to figure out their way after the awful wars first and second war well by 1977 The federal government starts to see the advantage in loans, and they actually pass a law that really incentivizes communities to lend locally. It's called the Community Reinvestment Act. And in 1978, the Supreme Court says this is a good thing. In fact, they say something that's like an atomic bomb. The Supreme Court in 1978 rules that a business or a corporation or a bank can charge interest rates to all of its all of its customers based on the interest rate of the state in which they operate. So if I live in say South Dakota and South Dakota says, there's no cap on how much interest I can charge. Then I can charge as high an interest rate as I want to anyone I do business with anywhere. Mm Mm-hmm. That's why if you check your credit cards, all the major banks say they are headquartered in South Dakota. Because South Dakota did exactly that. After the Supreme Court ruling, they passed a law that said, if you come to our state and operate, you can charge as much interest as you want. What is South Carolina doing? It's called finance. It's called business. And the finance guys wanted to spread the gospel of wealth hmm to whoever they could send it to and they did and they had we got more money above all the American lending story the story of trying to keep it in order a little bit but not so much and then a, an explosion of credit in the 80s and and henceforth I think it created two people in one here's what I mean Um, Your friend, let's call your friend, I don't know, Rachel. Rachel comes and knocks on your door. She looks a little um, sullen. And she says to you, friend, could I borrow $1,000? And when she says, could I borrow $1,000? You're like, oh, no. Sure. What do you need it for? And she says, well, I have to go and take my kids on a road trip to avoid, I don't know, their aggressive father. And you say, Hold on a minute. Let me get my pad of paper. Let me get my pad and my paper so that I can write out a loan agreement for you. And let's talk, I don't know, let's talk express terms and let's talk interest rates over time so we can set up a schedule for paying back the hundred and the a thousand dollars you owe me plus another, say, two hundred. Wanna do it? Can't wait. <laughs> if you say that to Rachel, that you would like to go and get a pad of paper to write a loan schedule out for paying back the loan at interest, then you are officially a monster. You, you're you a monster. Unless, of course, you work at a bank. Then you can do that and actually get rewarded for it. You see... We've become two people in part because the philosophy about human beings has changed over time. I'll give you an example, Adam Smith. Adam Smith, sort of the father of modern economic sort of constructs. I don't know if he's father of capital. He was a moral philosopher in England. 1776, he published Wealth of Nations. Adam Smith says this. You've heard this probably before. If you haven't, listen carefully. It is not from the benevolence of the butcher, the brewer, or the baker that we expect our dinner, brought from their regard to their own interest. We address ourselves not to their humanity, but to their self love. We're not paying the baker because we like them, we're paying them because they give us bread that's how it works smith goes on to say that human beings are naturally inclined toward persuasion they are this way because quote their nature is the consequence of the faculties of reason and speech wait we're inclined toward persuasion because we have speech we have logos and we are persuasive by nature we want to persuade it's what we do as humans We have a desire to persuade and to acquire. And so, I think we're two people because we have these two wants. At least we've been told we're this way. We have a want for me and a want for you. And this type of Adam Smith capitalism, it says something like, let's match up our wants. And if we match up our wants, we have success. You want want money. I want land and everyone's happy. You get a hundred thousand dollars. I get, I don't know, 20 acres. You can tell I don't own anything because I have no idea what these prices are. <laughs> Match up wants. It's not about humanity. It's about your wants and my wants matching up. It's like you run for office. I vote. You win. You give me stuff. I give you my vote transaction clean pollution free transaction this is the scientific way this is also the modern economic system transaction is what's important transaction and if you're hearing the word secular in all of this you're spot on this is the principle of secularism this is what you know this is what I do in my house with all of my messy relatives and weird icon corners and then there's what I do out there in the public square, you know, transactional stuff. This is secular life. It's not that you can't talk about religion in the public square. It's that you really should just stick to transaction. And this non-messy, logical, practical space, the secular utopian space is built on the idea that there are really just two players, two individuals in this equation. And that of course is a lie. And it's not a lie because there's the community that's bogus. It's a lie because there's a God. And neither of us is taking that into account in the public space. God is the third thing in the triangle. There's me, there's you. And then there's the third point of reference. God. Reality. Well, at least that's the way in the old world, especially in the old Christian world. And it's why Adam Smith is so important. Adam Smith... Is the saint of secular economic freedom. But for old worlders, he was dangerous. His system was built on usury. It has the aroma of usury. Not, I, mean, I mean, he wasn't so bad. He said we should cap, we should cap interest rates of 5%. He wasn't like a, a mob boss, but I'm telling you. He was in the line of thinkers that allowed for the next iteration, which was a utilitarian idea. Because once the individual is writ large, once they are the thing, the next thing is, is, well, what's best for me? And that's Jeremy Bentham. Jeremy Bentham and others like him, John Stuart Mill, they tried to figure out what the moral compass should look like for a true individual who is operating as a utilitarian, as someone useful. Ayn Rand comes along, Milton Friedman, Ronald Reagan. They're all like, what's best for me will also be best for everyone. And I I feel like that's a magic trick. Doesn't it feel like magic? Yeah, we ended up creating a system based on this stuff that allowed for businesses to literally make commercials like this. You got to see this commercial because this is where utilitarianism ends. This is the best you can't beat this. Are you not getting a loan? Are you tired of paying installments to the bank? Yes. Do you have any fixed income source? No. Are you struggling with financial problems? Yes. Do you have more responsibilities on your shoulders? A lot. Do you want to do something big in your life? Are you looking for a permanence? Wait, my favorite is do you want to do something big in your life? This is the best. Who doesn't like this? Like, who answers no? I wanna go small and irrelevant. Oh, Christians do that. Well, at least maybe they don't talk like that, but kind of, you know, kind of, but this commercial is a little different. This commercial from our modern Adam Smith creditory world. Here we go. Stable and amazing platform. If you have any of these reasons, then relax. We have brought you world-class peer-to-peer lending automated platform, which gives you loan of crores in just 30 seconds. And be rich, man, in 150 days without... Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa. This is awesome. Loan globally. Guys, you can find this on interwebs. It's commercial. Someone actually wrote these words. They wrote them on purpose. And one of the words they wrote is, You can be a rich man in 120 days. This is awesome. Come on. This is all. Aw- if you don't think this is the first fear, like what? I click buttons and I have money? Sloth. See, Bentham, utilitarians, to a lesser extent, Smith. Th- they trust human beings somehow to make really good decisions they i think the best way to think of bentham trusts how about this modern people say something like trust human free will because trust humans but old world or old world christians especially say trust human free will because human free will is divine oh when in alignment <laughs> So, if we are to trust anything, it is the divine will in us. The problem is, is Bentham has removed the divine part. Old world world Christians are saying, well, if we act as we should, sacrificial, and if we act according to our true will, to our free divine will, then we'll sacrifice the things we want for others. Yeah, that's not the American view. No offense. It's the American utilitarian banking understanding, the the libertarian view is just rumple stiltskin on steroids. It just appeals to everything about now that you can possibly get as you destroy, not future, as you destroy potential. right? You destroy potential which is reality. Everything has potential if you feed it and you let it grow. But steltskin he's destroying that. And guess what? It's sort of Gnostic. It feels very Gnostic to me. It feels like today in part because of the usurious nature, the vibes that we've imbibed. It feels like the whole goal of society is to turn matter into spirit. It's to get stuff that you can touch so that you can feel good. Very few people actually just can't wait to get a Ferrari. They like what it does to their spirit. They like what the thing does to their spirit. And I feel like that's a type of Gnosticism. Things are good if we turn them into feelings. And that brings me back to G.K. Chesterton. He identifies the very origins of the new world as happening when Jeremy Bentham published In Defense of Usury, and it makes sense because it's the upside-down world. It's the total inversion. You have a, a guy living in Christian England. Remember, Queen Elizabeth outlawed usury. You couldn't lend at any interest. But now you have an Englishman penning a book called In Defense of Usury, that feels like the end of something. And I think it is. And that's the end of this podcast. Take it. I hope you like it. Peace to you. See you next week. We start a whole new topic. Much love from Watar. This is John Hears, www.first-things.org. See you next week.